In last year, according to Chinese tradition, was the year of rabbit. So as some of you already knew, in my eight-year-old daughter, Hannah, and she got a bunny as a gift. Well, we didn't supposed to give her the bunny, but she kept asking, oh, can I have a bunny? Can I have a bunny? So we finally give, give her one. And this year, I don't know what my children will ask for, but I know it's the year of the dragon. <laughs> Please pray for my family. We just need a quiet year. When I first arrived in New Zealand in 2002, and I stayed in Hamilton because I was um, studying in the University of Waikato. And uh, I will never forget the first night of sleep in Hamilton because that was so quiet. I had such a great sleep. But the good sleep only lasts a few weeks until the night before my first day in the University of Waikato because on that night, I was so stressed when I was thinking about, oh, I'm going to a new university now. Because I have never went to a school where everything was written in English and everyone spoke English only. So that was scary. That was so challenging. There are so many questions making lots of noise in my head on that night. What if I can't understand what they say? Can my professor pronounce my Chinese name? Oh, can I pass the exam? I was never good at English exams in high school. Now, every exam will be in English. <laughs> that was scary. So I couldn't sleep the whole night. You see, even in a quiet place like Hamilton, I could still have a sleepless night. Just because you are in a quiet place doesn't mean you have a quiet life. Because a quiet life begins from within. It's a heart condition. It's a mind condition. Listen, I have never heard the term mental health so frequently as I do today. When I was a kid, mental health sounded like a big deal. But today it's so common because overwhelming information through the internet, social media, smartphones, in invades our lives every day, disrupt the peace of life, disrupt a quiet life within us. We all need a quiet life in a restless world. And that's the title of my sermon today. Beyond all the benefits of a quiet life to our mental and emotional health, a quiet life is crucial to deepen our relationship with God. It's crucial for our spiritual growth. Because you know, a Christian's life is about the cooperation with God. We cannot reach the fullness of life by our efforts alone. We can only fulfill our purpose by relying on the partnership with God. Let's go to Exodus 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. 
The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You see, we will bring God's power into manifestation when we learn to be still. The Hebrew word for still is rafa. The original meaning of be still is to relax, to let go. It's like dropping something in the water and let it sink to the bottom peacefully. Be still, because the Lord will fight for you. The question is how can we be still? How can we relax and let go in today's restless world? When we are surrounded by the information designed to stimulate our desires, even fears, when the information are designed to, to distract us from our purpose. Don't worry, we are going to discover the answer today. Today's sermon is all about how to live a quiet life according to the truth in the Bible. Today we are going to dive into what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica to encourage the Christians to live a quiet life. So before we dive into the scriptures, let me give you a context about the Thessalonica, the, the city of Thessalonica. This city exists, still exists today in Greece. It was a significant city in the Roman Empire. It was a major port city on the crucial trade route connecting Italy to Turkey. Thessalonica was a diverse city with a mix of ethnic groups, beliefs, religions. So it was a very busy, noisy, and restless place. The Thessalonian Christians, they actually had a very good reputation in loving each other, supporting each other. Yet they had allowed, allowed some false teachings to spread in the church. Therefore, their focus shifted from the gospel of Jesus to some false prophets. As a result, they were troubled with anxiety, doubts, and even arguments among them. So here's what Paul wrote to them. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11 to 12. To make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be, be dependent on anybody. You see, first of all, a quiet life is not just a silent life. If a quiet life is simply a silent life, the only member in my family who lives a quiet life is the bunny. <laughs> As Christians, we need to speak the truth. We need to share the gospel. We need to interact with the people around us. Secondly, you see, a quiet life is not an isolated life. In one of Jesus' prayers, he said to his family, Heavenly Father, as you send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You send me into the world, I have sent my disciples into the world. We are called to go into the world, not to run away from it. So a quiet life, first of all, is not a silent life or an isolated life. 
And then Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. This means that leading a quiet life should be the driving force of our lives. Wow. But the world teaches us that our ambition should be all about increasing followers and chasing after the biggest crowd by living a loud life, right? As loud as possible. But in the gospel, we see Jesus often withdrawing from the crowd, not chasing after it. Hey, we know Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30, right? And then he was crucified three years later. Let me ask you a question. What did Jesus do when he was 21? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us about that, but we know he was a carpenter. Okay, so what did he do when he was 25? I mean, we know he was a carpenter. Okay, 28, probably a better carpenter. <laughs> That's all we know about Jesus in his 20s. Hey, we are talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. <laughs> he was God in human form, walking on earth. How on earth? We don't know what he was doing in his 20s. Well, it seems like Jesus made his ambition to lead a quiet life. You see, Jesus stays focused on his mission on his calling, on his purpose. His mission is to bring people to God and offer them the eternal life. He was committed to live a quiet life. and He didn't allow other people's opinions or voices to distract him. You know, actually, back in Jesus' time, the Jewish society expected him to become a military leader or a political leader to start a revolution, to fight against, uh, against the Roman Empire, declare independence of a Jewish nation. But Jesus' response was, no, no, no. That's not why I'm here. So he stayed focused on what he was supposed to do, ignoring all the noise all the opinions, all the expectations in the world around him. What Paul was talking about in his letter to the church aligns with Jesus' approach to a quiet life. So the first lesson we can learn from here is mind your own business. Focus on what you can control. Focus on what you can control. Mind your own business. Don't get distracted by the voices around you, the opinions around you. You know, during the lockdown, my parents-in-law um, stayed with us in the same bubble. So we got six people living in a three-bedroom house. And parents-in-law, Yvonne and I, with two kids. And so my territory was my garage, okay? So that, that, that was the only place I have control over. That was my meeting room, uh, my cinema, 
my gym, my office, my Sunday church, my prayer room, everything in my garage. So I, I remember one afternoon, I thought to myself, hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some real exercises, you know, outdoors, okay? So I grabbed my basketball and headed to the local park. As I arrived, I saw the basketball rim, the piece of the mantle, uh, the basketball rim was removed to stop people from playing basketball in the park. But you know what? I said to myself, hey, I'm not going home without playing good basketball today. Okay? I'm going to focus on what I'm supposed to do. So I used my imagination to create a basketball rim hanging on the hoop. On that day, I had the best basketball performance of my life. <laughs> With every throw, the ball went into the rim. That was a 100% field goal rate. You might say, hey, come on, Shane, that's ridiculous. That ring didn't even exist. Hey, mind your own business, okay? <laughs> I, cre I created the rim. I know where it was, and I choose to believe every ball goes in. I'm having a good time here, okay? Don't, don't disrupt me. Listen, I could not tell the government to lift the lockdown. I, I, I could not ask the city council to install the rim for me. But I can control is how I respond to my situation. I don't need to waste my time to worry about the things I cannot control. So you see, things, when things don't go our way, we can always choose our response to the situation. You know what? We can always approve it when we focus on the right things. In the same time, during the lockdown, Pastor Mike recommended a teaching video series. It's called The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People by American author Stephen Covey. These teachings, the series of this video, changed my life, especially during the pandemic when my life was, was surrounded by uncertainty and doubt. I highly recommend it. You can just search it on YouTube. You can watch that. And I shared some of this teaching two years ago, but I think it's worthy for us to go back to it as we are talking about the important principle here. I believe it will help so many of you here today. In the video, Stephen shows a graphic like this. And Ray, can you please? Yeah. You see, there are two circles, okay? The red one, the big one, the outer circle is called the circle of concern. In the circle of concern are those things you just don't have any control over. The things we are concerned about, the things we are worried about, but we can do nothing about. And the inner circle is called the circle of control. That's the things we can do something about. We have influence over. Okay, listen to this. Always put your attention and energy, effort, in the circle of control. Because when you put your attention and effort in the circle of control, it grows. 
it will expand, it will reduce the gap between those two circles. Eventually, one day, you will influence the things you are concerned about now. That's exactly what Paul was talking about. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Don't worry about the things you cannot do nothing about. And that's exactly Jesus' approach when he was doing his ministry on earth. Focus on the things he was supposed to do. But if you put too much energy into the circle of concern, the outer circle, the inner circle will shrink. Because you didn't put your effort and attention on that. It shrinks. And you will get more doubts and more noise in your life for sure. So here's the question. What are the things within the circle of control in my life? My friends, if you take a moment to think through, you will be surprised. There are actually so many things you can do something about to improve your situation, to, to, to grow the inner circle. Listen, you have control over when to pray, how long you pray. You have control over when to go to the church. You have control over when to go to bed, when to get up. You have control over how to respond to people, how to listen to people, how to speak to people. You have control over how hard you study or your work. You have control over what to eat and how much to eat. There are so many things. You can't even finish the list. You will be surprised. Wow, actually, there are so many things I really need to pay attention to. And those things can improve my situation immediately. You know, um, next week, we are going to start a three-week sermon series. This sermon series is called In Secret. It's designed to help you focus on the things you can fully control to improve your well-being and relationship with God. It's called In Secret because we will explore three crucial spiritual practices of a quiet life. Like Jesus emphasized, pray, fasting, and giving. So those things will help us to enhance our well-being and deepen our relationship with God. And those things are totally within the circle of control. So don't miss the new sermon series next week. I will pray, I will, I will preach the first one when you pray, and Pastor Mike will preach the second one when you fast. Right? Yeah, because it's very hard for a Chinese to preach how to fast during the New Year season. <laughs> we eat too much. <laughs> Some friend, now I like to ask you this question. When you look at this graphic, when you look at those two circles, what's your focus now? What is your focus now? Is it in the circle of concern or in the circle of control? Remember, mind your own business. Focus on what you can control. Now let's get back to 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12. Paul says, making your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work 
with your hands. Work with your hands. So the second thought I would like to share with you is work with your hands. Let your result speak for you. In Matthew 7, verses 16 to 17, Jesus says this, By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus is encouraging us to be a positive influence in the world through the fruits of our work so that your results speak for you, that your fruits speak for you. You know, there are certain people in my life, every time when I encounter a problem or trouble, I will go to those people to ask for advice. But here's the thing. Before I ask them advice, I already knew their advice might be challenging. They might say something I don't want to hear. They might say something not make me feel so comfortable about myself. But I choose to listen to them. Why? Because when, we, when I look at those people's fruits and results of their life, I thought to myself, they must know something I don't know. They must have done something I didn't do, so I better listen because their fruits speak for them. Their results speak for them more than anything else. But today, as we're living in a social media world, there are so many fake people there, right? Man, fake images, fake identities, fake talks, even fake lives. But there's one thing you can never fake is your result. So friends, we don't need to tell people how successful we are. When we are truly successful, people will tell us. Because your ability will show in your result. Your purpose will show in your result. Your character will show in your result. Your greatness will show in your result. So let's be a result maker, not merely a statement maker or a good talker. Hey, when you look at Jesus, Jesus is a quiet Result maker. During his trial, when he was facing the high priest, Jewish king, and the Roman, uh, Roman governor, Jesus chose not to speak for himself. Instead of defending himself with articulated arguments, Jesus chose to die on the cross, and he was resurrected in three days. So Jesus was like, hey, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to prove myself through talk. Let my result speak for me. Let my crucifixion speak for me. Let my resurrection speak for me. Let my fruit speak for me. Then you will know who I truly am. When people see your result, they will know who you really are. So friends, a quiet life is a productive life. A quiet life is not a silent life or an isolated life without doing anything. 
a quiet life has to be a productive life. Work with your hands. Let your results speak for you. So whenever you are in your workplace, at home, or in ministry, stay focused on productive activity. Don't waste your time in meaningless arguments with the people who disagree with you. Prove them wrong with your results. Shut down the noise through your foot. As Paul mentioned, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. You see, work with your hands. Let your result speak for you. That's the best testimony we can do through our quiet life in this world. Please, um, the worship team, come up, please. You see, after the sleepless night, before the first day of university, my sleep quality uh, didn't improve over the years, actually. You know, even though I was only in my 20s back then. And one day, um, in a culture event, you know, like maybe it was Chinese Union, I don't quite remember, but definitely a Chinese culture event, I came across an, an old Chinese immigrant. So we just start chatting, and uh, he was a very nice gentleman. He asked me, you know, how long you been here in New Zealand? How was your, how was your life here? So we got talking about my sleep problem, and, and this gentleman suggested, hey, maybe you should try some sleeping pills. I said, what? Sleeping pills? I'm, I'm only 25. Okay? Sleeping pills had a side effect. You know, I don't think it's good for my long-term health. And then he says, ah, nah. I used to think the same way. Hey, what side effects? Look at me. I've been taking the pills for nearly 30 years. I'm still strong. My mind's still sharp. All right? And I looked at him. I couldn't help but think, mm, you wouldn't recommend sleeping pills to a 25-year-old if your mind is still sharp. That already proves the side effects. I'm sorry. Friends, people taking pills, medicines, for many, many reasons. No doubt of that. I'm not here to deny the medication. But I know the root of my problem. I know sleeping pills couldn't help. Well, it might give me, give me a quiet night, but it don't offer me a quiet life. My problem is here. My problem is, is, is the inside condition, internal condition. My mind, my heart, a quiet life begins from within. Philippians verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. The Apostle Paul says this, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My sleep problems wasn't so resolved until one day 12 years ago when I committed my life to Jesus Christ and received him as my Lord and my Savior. 
So since that moment, when my life was filled with the Holy Spirit, when I discovered my purpose, I have never experienced a sleepless night. Because there is a peace within me. It's unshakable. Listen, my life still have troubles, problems, pressures to deal with, but nothing, nothing shakes that peace within me. I really want to take this moment to speak to those. Maybe you are not Christian. You never followed Jesus before. Or maybe you are a Christian, but somehow you feel you are far from God at the moment. You are seeking for peace, but you haven't found it in this world. Friends, you are searching for peace in the wrong place. Because you are searching for something not from this world, but you can only receive from God. You need the peace of God. The good news for you today is God is offering you this opportunity today. He wants to offer you this peace of God to guard your hearts and your mind. You see, the Bible teaches us that we all have a sin. Our sin separated us from the peace of God, from the love of God. That's why we don't know God. But by God's grace, He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to the world, died for us on the cross. As Jesus died, He took on Himself all the penalty for our sin. And then He extended this grace to all of us here today. A forgiveness for your past, hope for your future, new life for you now, an eternal life in heaven with God. So today, here is your opportunity to receive this peace, to get back to a quiet life God has designed for you. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer. By praying this prayer, you are going to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, as I did 12 years ago here. You know what? Your life will never be the same after this prayer. So all you need to do is pray in your heart by following me. I will pray out loud so that you can hear. Are you ready? Let's do it together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know you died for me. Today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I turn away from my old self and turn to you. I choose from today to follow you and live for you. Please reveal your plan. Please fill my heart with the peace of God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
If you just prayed that prayer, congratulations. Your life will never be the same again. Now I'm going to encourage you to take one more step of faith. I'm going to count from one to three. As I get to three, if you just prayed that prayer, can you please raise your hand so that I can see you? I'm not doing this to call you out. I'm doing this so that I can acknowledge your hand, and then you can put it down. After that, I will lead the congregation to pray a blessing over your life. So if you just pray that prayer, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Can you please raise your hand if you just prayed that prayer? If that was you, please raise your hand. Oh, I see you. Thank you. Please put it down. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? That's your moment to receive God's prayer, to receive God's peace in your life. Yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the raising hands, my Lord. We know you touched her heart. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that you will surround this lady from the people who have faith in you. Let's walk this journey together. Protect her. Reveal your plan. Reveal your purpose to her life. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fill her life with your joy and your peace. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.